I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It is December 13th, and I've got a great show for you this week, as per usual. <laughs> well, most of the time, anyway. Look, uh, before I start this show, I just want to let you guys know I am doing a Nine Cents horrific holiday special, and I have some very special guests uh, attending and contributing to that, along with uh, contributors of the show, uh, regular contributors to the show. I hope you guys tune into it. I hope you have some fun. That's the entire point of these holiday specials, and really any of the specials that divert from the traditional uh, format of the show, like today's episode, for example. Um, I just got back from watching Krampus with uh, some friends, and that was an interesting movie. I expected it to be a little more horror and a little less camp, but it is very much uh, sort of goofy camp, which I guess worked out okay. I was a little disappointed in how Krampus looked, and the ending I thought was terrible, but everything up to that point I thought was really good. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, uh, maybe maybe check it out. Maybe wait till Redbox <laughs> before you check it out. But um, interesting show. It's weird because it, it wakes, it, it awakens uh, a lot of different thoughts of my own. I grew up in a religious household, and Christmas was very much a religious endeavor. It was not just to get family together and celebrate. In fact, we never celebrated with any family except for our immediate family, meaning brothers, sisters, mom, and dad. So, it the, this this idea of having multiple generations and uh, you know brother and sister families in one house while you celebrate is very foreign to me. Though I on on paper I like the idea. <laughs> with my family, I don't think I would ever like it really. But you know, on paper, it seems like a good idea. Uh, anyway, this it, it was a, it was a nice balance, you know. If you watch Home Alone and then you watch Krampus, I think it's a good back and forth between the two of them. <laughs> both are a little bit goofy, both are a little bit heartwarming in moments, and uh, they're both fun for what they are. So uh, check that out if you have a, ch- a chance. Let's let's run down what we have on the show today. Because I went and saw this, I don't have Erin as my regular co-host, but we do have her giving us a down to the crossroads uh, a little bit later here. So we're going to start with Nine Cents Letter, and this is a letter about happiness that one of you listeners sent in. First of all, let me just say thank you so much for not only consuming the content that we provide for you on a weekly basis, but then reaching out in some way. You know, some people do it per rating or review on different websites. Some of you uh, actually write in and ask us questions, and that's amazing, and we really, truly appreciate that you would even consider our opinions worthwhile. I'm going to try to do my best by this individual. Um, 
do, do, do a little bit of something different with Other Height, of course, episode 21. And then immediately after, Down to the Crossroads, episode 39. And this is how I hate to see Christmas come around. Now, just by nature of the way I recorded this episode, I've already actually put that together, and it's a good one. So stay tuned for that. And I'm going to close this episode down with the creature feature. I haven't done one of these in a while, but this is a really good one as well. David Ingram of Down Among the Dead Men. I spoke with him about his newest album. You're going to want to tune in for that. It's a great one. We talked some really uh, great... First of all, let me just say, David's an amazing individual. Not only is it, he's an insanely talented musician, he's a really great radio personality, and he's just a solid man. Like He's a cool dude. You know, He's one of those guys that you would love to have a beer with, and you know that whether or not you saw eye to eye on any issue, you would have a great back and forth, a healthy, good back and forth. And he, he's he's got comedic chops this man even though i don't know that outside of his radio show he he stretches him very often but a uh, great person to talk to and this is a really great interview about his newest release so stay tuned for that at the end let's go ahead and just dive right into this episode no mince and words here nights and letters is next Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. I will do my best not to break the second rule of the earth in this letter, but I do feel the need to clarify a bit about my position. I am 17, and therefore am not a part of the Church of Satan, and in general, I am quite new to the philosophy. Satanism, as far as I can gather, is very epicurean. It pursues indulgence and enjoyment more than anything else, and I greatly respect that those can be different for each individual. But I notice people around me, the sheep, that are much much happier than I am. Society obviously caters to the masses and serves them best it can. It creates facets for their happiness, and those on the outside often end up feeling empty or depressed because of this. Satanism definitely fills that void in a sense that it gives reason to why we feel different and why that is okay. But I still have to ask, if Satanism is about the pursuit of happiness, wouldn't the best answer be to become part of the herd? In general, they seem quite at ease with a lot, and understand the societal vices for relaxation. Again, I'm young and probably stupid, and though this process definitely takes root in a bit of a depression. Uh, I agree with the Satanic Bible in LaVey, and I've always felt different, but I'm just not happy. Is it the most satanic route to actually give up on my classical music and solitary exercise for rap music and basketball to forsake my books and podcasts in the name of reality TV? Thank you for all the great conversation material you have provided with me, or me with. Alright, so uh, let me address this right off the bat. Uh, Happiness is entirely dependent upon you as a human being. It has nothing to do with your religion, with your political leanings, or anything else. Whether you are happy or not is completely on you. We have very limited lifespans, and though they have doubled in the last hundred and some odd years, they are still incredibly limited. If we don't take the little happinesses (laughs) that we stumble across in life, The world doesn't owe you anything, so you're not going to be happy if you don't take control of those moments, if you don't own your own life. 
So I don't know that this has anything to do with whether you're too young or whether you're too old or whether you're a Satanist for a little bit of time or a Satanist for a long bit of time. You own your own happiness or you don't. That being said, um, the world does cater to the masses, society, the greater population, because we live in a commercial world and the greatest target audience is the greater masses at large. But that's not to say that us Satanists can't find joy in portions of what could be considered herd-like activity. Uh, there's no reason that you can't like modern music or modern television or anything if you're a Satanist. Again, it's entirely up to your perspectives. I mean, if, if you enjoy music, listen to it. If you don't, don't. I don't find happiness in forsaking things. I find happiness in indulging in things. And what I have noticed is the older I get, the more I'm willing to give other types of music, other types of food, other types of media an opportunity to entertain me. And more often than not, whether it's honest on that media's part or not, I find enjoyment in it because I was willing to give it a shot. Now, this is not going to follow suit to everything, but I get a sense for just from your letter, okay? So obviously it's very short. It doesn't paint a picture of who you are. I get a sense that you feel like Satanists are a certain way and do things a certain way. And nothing could be further from the truth. Every single one of us is dramatically different. We don't all get along. We don't all see things the same way. We don't all even enjoy the same types of art, music, literature, anything. So there is some overlap in a lot of people. You're gonna find that in any uh, size group. There's gonna be a little bit of overlap, but there's no such thing as a Satanist does this or a Satanist likes this. It is entirely incumbent upon these Satanists to find joy in life, to find happiness in life. Um, you mentioned that Satanism is about the pursuit of happiness. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. Depending on the individual, happiness can be a negative. Some people like to stay in a perpetual state of misery. That is who and what they are. Uh, some people like to be indifferent and have small moments of happiness that they can really latch on to and keep as, as powerful examples of happiness. And some people just like to be happy all the time. As is with every Satanist, the idea of pursuing happiness is really incumbent upon you as the individual. It's going to be hard because, again, you admit it yourself, you are young. And very few young people really know who and what they are at that young age. The reality is, your brain's not fully developed, so how could you expect to know everything about yourself yet? It's going to be a number of years before you even truly understand the, the, the greater scope of society, of who you are, of who your family is, of what you want out of life, and you have a long life ahead of you to figure it out. So there's no rush. The point is, enjoy who and what you are. Satanism is not about the pursuit of happiness. It is about the pursuit of you, the individual Satanist. Now, if that happens to be down a path of happiness, by all means. If it happens to be down a path of self-destruction, well, I can't really help you there, but I'm sure there's some people that really enjoy that part of themselves. We like to take joy, collectively as Satanists, in whatever brings us pleasure. Pleasure equates with happiness in you know, small moments. But above and beyond anything else, it is the development of oneself. That is what you should be focusing on. 
not this perpetual state of giggly, happy goofiness. Accomplishment is what drives happiness for me, and certainly for many other Satanists. Set goals and achieve those goals. That will bring you happiness. But just staying in a basement and listening to classical music and shunning the greater world at large, well, that's probably not going to make you happy. And you know what? Not a lot of Satanists do that. In fact, I don't know any Satanists that do that. Even the most fervent misanthrope gets out there and enjoys the public from time to time. Certainly the ones I've met anyway. Happiness is completely relative. Satanism and how a Satanist uses it in their own life is completely relative to that individual Satanist. We share a philosophy, a common philosophy, but that's it. Outside of that, you're on your own. You do what you need to do. If happiness for you is watching reruns of I Love Lucy your entire life, by all means, I think it's a <laughs> a hollow life, even though I do really like that show. Um, but that's that's on you. It is entirely, again, I've said this like eight times now, it is entirely incumbent upon you, not Satanism, to provide happiness in your life if that's what you want. Now, you already mentioned um, that you suffer from a bit of depression, as you say it. Depression's no joke, man. Not at all. And it's something that, if you allow it, will take control of your life. Now, you don't have a choice in this. This is something that is out of your control, that you are predisposed to being depressed. But there are exercises that you can engage in, physical activity that will increase dopamine and help fight off depression. There are medical avenues that you can take to help fight off depression. But don't just wallow and expect identifying as a Satanist to somehow be some gateway to happiness. It's going to be harder for you because you are prone to depression to find any sense of happiness. And the reality is you may never find what you think other people have. But let me close with this thought. No one ever is always happy. No one. In fact, the more accomplished you are, the stronger you are as an individual, the more perspective you have, the harder it is to be happy. Because you see other angles of life. As a Satanist, you see that third side, and it's not always a good one. And life is fucking hard. And life takes work. Success does not come to you. No one owes you anything. You have to fight for it. You have to earn it. And you have to hang on to it when you have it. It's never easy. But that's life. Satanism provides tools to help along that path. Whatever that path is for you, whether it's a pursuit of happiness, whether it's a pursuit of a profession, whether it's a woman, whether it's a moment to enjoy, Satanism provides you with the tools to do so. But it's incumbent upon you to do it. I hope you do. I do. I don't know you, but it sounds like you, uh, you got a good head on your shoulders. And if you're a Satanist, it's going to be hard for you. It will never be easy for you. But you never have to let people know who and what you are. Lesser magic is all about being what people expect you to be. And if that gets you what you want, utilize it.
be a Satanist. Use lesser magic. You don't have to stand out and say, I'm a Satanist. I'm an outcast. I'm going to live alone. I'm never going to find happiness. That's not Satanism. That's not reality. That's not how it works. Do what you have to do to get the little bit of life that you have and enjoy it for as long as you can. Because that's it. This is all we've got, man. It's never going to get easier. Stay vigilant. Good luck. Read the Satanic Bible. If you have friends or family to rely on for some support if you need it, if you need to get into therapy for your depression, there's no shame in it. Do what you have to do to be the most powerful Satanist that you can be. It's not a contest. There's no one judging you. It's all about you. You own your life. Be your own God and own it. Good luck, man. Hey there, doll. Why don't you be a good girl and take a few clams and run on down over the high Satanist and pick us up a couple of those sterling silver bathnets everyone's been buzzing about. I hear that the bees knees. Oh, I right. Go ahead and take a gander at those LED wall plaques. From what I hear, that guy over there is hitting on all sixes. A real nifty fellow he is. Listen here. Don't go over to those sappy ragamuffin knockoffs. I'm with the real McCoy, you got me? So do the right thing, and now you're on the trolley, you hear? Remember, I say this. That's I Satanist, I say. They're on the up and up. Now scram. Get a wiggle on, kid. You bother me. just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place. Singing in the rain, what a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above, and the sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I've a smile on my face. I walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Hello and welcome to another segment of Something Different with Heather Height on Nonsense. I have nothing written down, no notes, just thoughts this week because I've just had a crazy week because I work in retail and it's almost Christmas. 
and we went to a flea market today that had like taxidermy stuff and it was really fun but there was an hour and a half line have you ever heard of an hour and a half line for a flea market well now you have and my dog is going crazy so you're just gonna have to bear with me and my flipperty gibbetness so this week i wanted to talk about transcendence which seems like the opposite of being satanic to to a lot of people but i don't know like when i was six or seven years old my mother who was constantly trying out different spiritual practices or whatever took me to the church of transcendental meditation i still have the receipt somewhere i paid for my word which is the word that you use to focus on focus your being or whatever for i paid for it with a jar of pennies that's like what it says on the receipt one jar of pennies and the guy did this ritual we had to bring fruit a bowl of fruit and the jar of pennies and he did this thing with water and some kind of chanting and he sprinkled the water over the fruit and as you could see or here, <laughs> when I was six or seven, I really did not absorb a lot of information about um, transcendental meditation <laughs> from this experience. He, and then he he uh, didn't want me to sit and and chant my word. I had to say it in my mind as I walked. And I remember the uh, church was actually in like a church, so it had a room with pews in it that I don't think they ever used. And uh, he had me walking like up and down the pews and thinking my word in my head. And it was my super secret word that I was never allowed to tell anybody. And, you know, so I don't know if it did me any good. It was interesting. But anyway, <laughs> you're supposed to reach a level of transcendence. And by transcendence, like, you know, to transcend, to get the fuck over shit not be bothered you're better than that and that's where satanism comes in i have met more i guess you would say naturally transcendent um people or or had experienced transcendence from more people who were members of the cos than anyone else ever in my life and um like you'd think I've known Buddhists and I've known, you know, like the whole Reiki um, group that are supposed to be so, you know, high and mighty. There's, there's just some of the most insecure people I've ever met in my life and not transcendent whatsoever. Actually really bitchy and judgmental. I think that the reason that there are more Satanists that I've met who are transcendent is because transcendence isn't really about being understanding or having a sense of altruism. I think it's about being a little bit, um, you know your shit don't stink kind of attitude. So when something happens to you, it kind of rolls off you a little easier because you know you're better. And I, I would even dare say that Gandhi himself, like we've already, I don't know if I've established it here, but I've established in many conversations, there's no such thing as altruism. 
you can't tell me that Gandhi didn't get anything out of what he was doing. He wasn't just doing that. If if you he were transcendent, there would be no movie about Gandhi. There would be no news reports about Gandhi. He was, it was for his people and for his country and for himself. Maybe I'm missing something about altruism. So I don't think that's what transcending has to do with. And I don't think it has to do with pretending that you don't care about things that piss you off or matter to you. I find, and I'm, if you follow my husband, Magister Harris, on Facebook, you would not think that I'm telling you the truth right now. I find him very transcendent. <laughs> and it seems ridiculous because all he does is bitch on Facebook. But in his everyday interactions... There are things that just roll off of him like nothing. And it doesn't come from this altruistic, loving other humans kind of place. It comes from a, uh, uh, it doesn't matter to me because I know I'm better kind of place. That is what I think real transcendence is. Just as an example of what I'm talking about, when um, Buddhist monks talk about being one with everything and transcending, they are coming from a place of all-knowing. When you're all-knowing, you're probably an arrogant asshole. All-know? How could you be all-knowing? There's like that legend about baby camels. Why do baby camels look so proud? And it's because they know the hundredth name of God. They, they're transcendent of all of our bullshit because they're arrogant little fucks who have this piece of information. That's what's really going on. That's nothing um, splendid or pure about it. It's it's human arrogance that is really the key to transcendence, not focusing on some word and marching around a bunch of pews or sitting and, and meditating, although I totally back meditation. I think it's a good practice to have. I think it's good to have that kind of quiet, and I think it's important. But I don't think you're going to find transcendence per se in that practice. It's good to be able to quiet your mind. Not that I'm good at quieting my mind. So that's what I'm saying. I, this is the key to transcendence. If you're looking to let shit roll off your back and let things go and be more relaxed and not be flipping out over every little thing, not only can you learn to transcend and learn to not let shit bother you, which isn't, isn't good for you, like physically or mentally anyway. Why should you bother with it? Not only can you learn to transcend and still be misanthropic and nihilistic, but I think it's necessary. This has been another segment of Something Different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. Follow me on Facebook, email me, Gmail, Yahoo. I'm Heather Height all over the internet including uh, Twitter. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. See you next week. Hail Satan. Dancing and singing in
Ever had a question about religion but couldn't find the answer? Are you interested or skeptical about cults, magic, or ritual? My name is Witch Zaftig. I'm a scholar of religion and a witch in the Church of Satan. Allow me to research your questions and answer them on my nine-cent segment, Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig. I can address anything from Scientology to aliens, Moonies to ritual magic, even the Eucharist, and of course, all things satanic. Send your questions to zaftigworks at gmail.com. And tune in every month to Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig, only on 9centspodcast.com. Standing in the back door crying. Alright, there you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself! What are you doing out here? Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the, you're the devil. devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my God. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's your good pal, Aaron. Yay. And this is Down to the Crossroads. Here we go. So yeah. So guess what my theme is this month? Hmm. hmm. St. Patrick's Day. Close. Arbor Day. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh. It's Christmas. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, it's Isn't topical. Cl- very clever. <laughs> I think outside the box. <laughs> that's why you are such a success. Such a huge success in life. <laughs> In every way, you're right. All right, that so, yeah. ended up sounding a lot meaner than I meant it to say. No, no, no. God damn. I think I took it exactly as it was intended to be taken. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, so Christmas. So this so, is this is yeah. Christmas. That's right. And this uh, this episode is called "How I Hate to See Christmas Come Around," <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little bit of a downer, but. I think like. that's what this is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's, shall we jump right into it? Oh, everybody wants to follow along, I'm sure. Yes. So um, find the Spotify playlist on Down to the Crossroads Facebook page. I will probably tweet it out too. I'm on Twitter at Chelsea Girl 19. So follow along because otherwise it's pretty lame, I think. I mean, oh, it's probably it's not. Oh, okay, cool. So don't follow along or follow along later or whatever. Follow along, but not because it's lame otherwise. <laughs> it's because it just, it's more entertaining. It's less lame when you yeah. listen to this. <laughs> so here we go. Let's jump right in. I'm going to hit play, and we are going to listen to Ralph Willis do his Ooh. Christmas blues. Ooh. Yes, and it's already out of the gate, just yeah. ready to go. Um Great guitar work right there, that little hook he's got. I'm not familiar with Ralph Willis. Oh, well, get familiar. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> get ready to get familiar. Um, he did He played, He did a lot of songs. He had about 50 tracks on a bunch of different labels, but he's kind of not very well known, but he is pretty influential. Um, mm. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be listening to him, I guess. But uh, 
this was recorded in 1948, and I guess he recorded after this for just a few more years, maybe five more years. So this is sort of eh, sort of in the, right in the middle of his career. I think he started recording in 44, and he didn't have a very long career, but he did have a very, um, as I said, um, you know, huge catalog. He's got 50 tracks. And so this is right in the middle. And, and later on, you can sort of hear where he's going. This His guitar style gets a little more like exciting and booming, kind of like Lightning Hopkins after a while, like that booming, like just almost percussive guitar in there. Uh, but, you know, this is, he starts, you know, he tears it up on the guitar. I, yeah, I really like the um, the vocals though. There's, it's like he's, singing to like a sort of staticky uh mic or something it, mm-hmm. it just creates a really nice effect yeah it's cool he's um <laughs> yeah, he's a funny character but i mean this show i gotta say this show is full of ridiculous characters like they get even like weirder as they go along ending with the last song i'm gonna play i'm gonna tell you about this guy who's just bananas out of his mind but um <laughs> this guy was just sort of your average everyday sort of crank where he i mean i, I don't know if i want to characterize him that way but he did play a bunch of different musical styles but he really didn't care much for like the folk blues or kind of r&b which is just where blues music was going at the time so he was kind of like a purist even though this is really kind of progressive blues you know this Mm. isn't the delta blues that i normally play um but he was just kind of like nope this is it this is as as exciting as i want blues to get (laughs) (laughs) but he did some recording with brownie mcgee and sonny terry who i think i've played on this show before and they were like a guitar harmonica duo and he did some recordings with them but yeah, so that was nice. Ralph Willis. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> are you excited about Christmas or what? Are you as excited as I am? <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've known you for a number of years now, and I can, still can never tell if you're being serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas. Who doesn't love Christmas? Um, I'm. <laughs> I I like to I like to live vicariously through Christmas. Uh, I I hate I hate the giving and getting of gifts. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, okay, so do you mind if I give you a tiny little story real quick? Please do. So last night was my family's Christmas party. They do it every single year and I've never, never, never attended. Um, <laughs> my mom gave me this sort of third degree the other day and I realized that I was, you know, kind of making her life a little bit miserable because she insists on seeing me during the holidays. So if insists. I don't show up to this Christmas party, she will do two things, two events, just so that, it, you know, she does one with me and then one with everyone else because she just wants to see me. She's willing to go through, jump through those hoops, uh-huh. those hoops set on fire. Um, and so I I sort of just thought, you know, I'm being a dick and maybe I should just bite the bullet for one fucking day and just go to one of these stupid Christmas parties and just get it over with. And it was the worst thing ever I've ever done. And now I remember why I never never had to do these it like carols and everyone was super cheery and happy and like giving away presents to each other and i was just like fuck i I hate this so much i hate it so much sounds like so much fun (laughs) (laughs) like what do you hate about it like it's sort of everything that's supposed to make people happy is like being with family and singing and (laughs) yeah but my family's all mormons and so they take the super spiritual bent on everything oh i see okay and it's just it's really painful it's really pain everyone is so 
like artificially happy. At least that's how it seems. That's how it comes off, like desperately artificially happy. That it, <laughs> like this is our one time of the year to be joyful and yeah, thankful. Yeah, and even if we feel like shit, we're going to be happy, goddammit, you know? Goddammit. Um, it, it was all made okay because my sister's <laughs> husband is sort of just like me in our sense of humor and how we like to goof around. And and so every once in a while, I'd, you know, make a comment about date rape or, uh, you know, Santa being a fag or just something that's fun for me to see reactions sure. in other people. And like, can I just recap what, what is fun for you? Yeah. And that's date rape and Santa being a <laughs> <laughs> just, just so the folks know where we're at. <laughs> uh, we're just keeping tabs. Let's sure. keep it on the scoreboard. Uh, Adam, this makes Adam happy. Um, okay. No, but, but seeing their reactions whenever I say something like stupid like that, it it right. kind of makes it okay for me for that little moment. And he and I, we were, I like, I um, I like proposed to him in a way. I was like, <laughs> "Would you please sing Baby It's Cold Outside with me, please?" Oh, and he was like. Only if I can hold your hand and look longingly in your eyes. And it was this greatest moment because everyone else was like, <gasps> like the Mormon church just went through this whole thing about like ignoring gay people, like, sure. like shunning them. And yeah. like kids couldn't even be in the church if their parents were gay. I mean, it was this whole, unless they like ostracized their own family, right, this whole right. big to do. And so, you know, me and him doing that, they were just like all, what is happening? Is he really gay? And I announced that me and my wife were getting a divorce after 18 years and I was going to marry, uh, his name's Jeremy, so I was going to marry Jeremy instead. And they were just like, oh, but he played it up. It was so cool. He just went along with the whole thing. He sounds like fun, man. <clears throat> He's good people. He doesn't drink anymore, which sucks. Oh, bummer. I hate when people do that. I hate non-drinkers. They're the worst. I don't know how they ever have any fun ever. They ruin every party <laughs> with their non-drinking. It's the worst. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, yeah. I don't really look forward to Christmas because of that, but I, I do love seeing my kids and, you know, sure. open presents and have that magical experience of this time of year. So, so that's nice. Do you and uh, do you and Josh do it up? Oh, well, we go visit his family in Georgia and yeah, we do like, it's pretty traditional, just, you know, what you think of when you think of like atheists celebrating right, right. Christmas because nobody, there's no God, there's nothing. Um, his stepdad is, is Jewish, but there's no Hanukkah. There's no, it's, totally non-denominational um which is great you know obviously that's how i prefer it i don't even i wouldn't know how to act with a religious like christmas type thing because my family (laughs) as you know it was not religious and his family's not and so i guess i i guess that's how that's the difference (laughs) maybe maybe you'd have more fun if you partied with us on christmas i'm totally crashing your christmas you should come to georgia man it's like dock you Really good time. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be like, Adam, what? The, I thought you were a kid. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, get the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this next one. Yeah, man. This one is for you then, I guess. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, we're hit play right now. This is Jimmy Witherspoon, and he's singing Adam's Whoa. Christmas anthem, How I Hate to See Christmas Come Around. And uh, yeah, this is some great, speaking of he's not drinking. horns. Yeah, this is some boozy horns on this one. It's sort of a jump blues um, song. You know, that was, I've played some jump blues before, but the difference is like, it came sort of evolved from big band. So you get the horns and yeah, this is, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Yeah. So this is like the precursor to rock and roll and R&B, everything. Mm-hmm. Like this is the sort of in between, um, but it's got those horns like you noticed immediately. Yeah. Um, and it's got great guitar and stuff like that. And it's, you know, up-tempo, and it's usually small small groups playing. Um, but, yeah, this is Jimmy Witherspoon. He's got a great 
great, great voice. Um, and he started actually singing. I think he was discovered while singing, like, uh, he was serving as a merchant marine in World War II. And he used to oh. be the singer for, like, a probably, like, a jazzy, bluesy, this kind of music-y band that used to play over the um, Armed Forces radio services. And he used, when he was stationed in, in Calcutta, India, he was singing these songs and, yeah. the like, yeah, the going out over the Armed Forces radio service. They were listening to this. So, um but he did he did a few he sort of led a few bands and then f- started his own recording career in 1947 and then this song i think is from right sort of early at the beginning maybe in the 50s it's good but yeah man he's like a he's got this great shout to his voice but this song is just one of the most um sort of abject of all the Christmas blues songs that are out there. There's a lot of, you'd be surprised actually that thank goodness there's a bunch of Christmas blues songs, you know, people just lamenting Christmas. And, but this is probably one of the saddest where he's just like, the, the holidays are just tough. I mean, this is, I think you should probably really relate to this song. Like, cause he says something like, it's really a beautiful sight, but it always makes me sad. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. But mostly he's, his problem is that, um, you know, he's poor. So instead of going shopping, he's like spending his days trying to get a loan or trying to pawn his radio just to, you know, yeah. buy some gifts or something. And he's, you know, he's got, doesn't have any food to eat. He says no chicken, no turkey, no cranberries, no stocking, no Christmas trees. It's just, everything sucks when you're poor <laughs> and disenfranchised. And it's great. The horns just sort of are almost like mocking him in this where they're just sort of wailing like almost you can almost see the horns just like rolling their eyes <laughs> anthropomorphized and just rolling their eyes like yeah, we get like, it <laughs> it's like the drunken shine yeah 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 <laughs> it's, oh god so good mm-hmm. so he lived a good long life this jimmy witherspoon um he did some DJing in LA and then even recorded with Eric Burden of the animals. If you remember the animals at all, but he did, I mean, he had a really long career and then he died of throat cancer at, you know, oh. at, at 77, but he had a good long life. Yeah. Well, I, I love that, that, uh, we, we were able to capture, you know, that type of music. Can you imagine living just a hundred years earlier and mm. like how many wonderful voices we just lost to time oh, because technology didn't exist. So that's, absolutely. that's kind of the cool part of it. Have you, are you okay with uh, the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the surprise gift giving by friends? Oh, well, I mean, yes, I love presents, so I'll take them in any form. But then there is that sort of like, oh, shit, well, <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be that kind of party. I would have, yeah. you know. I hate that it. so much. I just <laughs> I just got back from a movie with some friends, and uh, they told me that they, you know, they apologized that they forgot to bring a present that they got. And oh immediately God. I was just like, okay, well, I can still be friends with you then because you didn't give it to me. Like, I hate – there's nothing more I hate than – unannounced gift giving like you need to let me know so i can feel good about getting you something in return but if i you just give me something and then just be like we're good no we're not good i hate you so much right now like i can't handle it i have to reciprocate or else i feel like a charity case and i hate that feeling more than anything i've, I've always stood on my own i don't want to fucking start receiving gifts unannounced i oh it's the worst i just hate you it got- so much some serious hang-ups out of <laughs> you some well, serious I don't mind up. presents. I just want to be able to give one back to you. So I feel like it's reciprocal. I don't like I don't well, know. It's give one later. It's even more exciting then. Be like, well, no, because then they're like, oh, you only did this because I gave you one. 
you know? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so let them feel that way. Maybe I do have real hangups. You definitely do. It's really okay. It's okay to enjoy Christmas, Adam. I want, I want you to say those words back to me. It's okay to enjoy Christmas. <sighs> oh, I can't do that. It's, <laughs> it's um, it's okay. Go on. Okay, what was line again? It's okay to enjoy Christmas. It's okay to enjoy Christmas. Yeah, see? That it's was okay easy. It's okay to enjoy Christmas. It's okay keep to enjoy it. Christmas. It's okay. through the season. Okay, okay. It's okay. Well, All right. Let me say that to myself, and uh, uh-huh. let's, let's tune into this next song here. All right, let's do this. So it's this okay is... To enjoy Christmas. There you go. All right, hit play. We're listening to Angels in Harlem, and um, this is Peter Joe Clayton, and he's going to just knock your socks on their asses, because... He's not only like, he's got this crazy frenzied voice. He's got, he's just this rowdy guy, but he was, he was also pretty like crazy as I alluded to earlier. Um, So this poor guy, man, uh, he had this family. He had a wife and four kids, I guess. And one day um, there was a house fire and it killed his entire family. And, and, and so after that, he was never really quite the same again. Like he, he was just this weird, like odd figure sort of sleeping on pool tables and, and, and in hallways, wherever he could find a place to nap. But he was always like wearing these comically large and ridiculous hats and these gigantic, like oversized uh, eyeglasses, but ha- that they had no glass in them. So he just looked like this kind of a clown, like a kind of a lunatic, but he then had this like amazing voice and he was hugely influential. He, he, he influenced Jimmy Witherspoon, who I just played, and he's also influenced, no doubt, he influenced Screaming Jay Hawkins and Little Richard probably, and he was also a big influence on B.B. King, like his, wow. more his style of singing and playing, but um, this song is just, is so funny to me. <laughs> it's got a very barrel house, blue sound you know there's yeah. guitars i mean piano and yeah he's just sort of screaming and um but the thing is on this like he's not playing the piano and almost all of his recordings i guess i mean he recorded i don't know a bunch of songs maybe not like 50 like the yeah. first guy we talked about but he had a he had a pretty good career maybe around 30 songs or so but uh he never played instrument on he was just a singer which is kind of strange for a bluesman um in that era um but he could play the piano he could play the piano and the ukulele but he just didn't do it on record (laughs) damn yeah but he's you know he's a huge like i said a huge influence um so do you think that's because there weren't a lot of other people doing it and recording at the time or is it something signature about him uh, probably a little bit of both, but I mean, his voice, no one was doing what he was doing at the time, just sort of screaming and mm-hmm. carrying on almost, you know. I do love the, I, I'm a, I don't know why I do, but I really love that sort of random chatter between verses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, like that the, too. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, just like random stuff. Interstitial conversation. Yeah. 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 There's something exciting about it. But yeah, he just had a great scream. He had a great shout to him. And I mean, that's kind of very uh, loosely a Christmas song, but yeah. 
You know? yeah, he's he's turning <laughs> he's using vibrato a lot more in the end than he did at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. He got a little, you know, tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to let it out. <laughs> that was his his thing though. After the, after his family was killed, he really hit the drinking hard and he eventually died of alcoholism, but he just, oh, you know, yeah, just one of those like typical sort of fuck it and just drinking and reckless behavior and oh, until yeah. he died like just gave kind of gave up on shit. It was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to have a good time." Oh, Which is what you should do, Adam, this Christmas. It's okay to enjoy it's Christmas. Okay to enjoy Christmas. There you go. See? <laughs> I got it. I'm gonna. I'm you gonna try. It. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna it. try for you. Thank you. Oh. I, I, <laughs> so. I, I wish I was closer uh, to uh, friends like you, so that I could uh, have a better experience during Christmas. It, yeah. Yeah. It's only because, like, honestly, like that's the only thing for me that makes Thanksgiving really awesome. Because it's, of course, it's great hanging out with your immediate family you know your wife mm-hmm. and your kids in my case um but it's always nice to have like a friend there too you know or mm-hmm. you know, someone else to sort of play off of uh, right I, i'm a huge fan of back and forth and improv mm-hmm. you know just conversations just nonsensical type stuff that it to have someone that can do that is just amazing <clears throat> you know these sort of uh, episodes that we do uh, from time to time once a month when we can um, <laughs> you know it's little things like that that make it yep. really really fun so you can just sort of just kind of go off on tangents and stuff so it's nice and uh, you yes. know Christmas is always one of those holidays where you never get it like everyone's so tight with their family unit that right like all my friends around here there's no possible way that any of them would ever consider coming over to my place for <laughs> <a> Christmas <laughs> dinner or something like that you know you so. should go to like a Home Depot and pick up a Mexican guy and just pay him like <laughs> just pay him twenty bucks for the day just to hang out. I need someone who is well versed in improv. Please, can you can you improv? All right, come on, twenty bucks yeah. now. Come on. I bet he could riff. It's all on Spanish too, so I have no fucking idea what he's saying. <laughs> you just pretend you hear what he's saying. Yeah. I understand what he's saying. Maybe I maybe I should do that. I feel like yeah, that's man. racist, but. I think I'll No. <laughs> no. Just hire a Mexican for the day for Christmas. Well, I mean, day. they don't have to be Mexican, I guess. I mean, do, have you ever seen any other ethnicity out there? I've never seen anybody do that, actually. Really? I've heard stories. I don't go to Home Depot, first of all. That's, oh, I mean, well, yeah. probably first and last. But driving by one ever? No, I've never seen people looking for work outside of Home Depot. I've only heard of this myth. Oh, it's a real thing. Oh, my gosh. Cool. E- it's Run. I have like three Home Depots in like in a 50 mile radius of me that I have frequented from time to time every single time no matter the day no matter the time of day there are always mm. like Latin men standing around <laughs> every single time and they always look at you reluctantly because it's always near like a stoplight like as you know you're trying uh-huh. to turn onto the main street or something and they just look at you expectantly like are you going to turn to me and look and ask I'm ready oh, I'm ready <laughs> so that's horrible. horrible. It's the only yeah. worst thing are the homeless people begging for money. That's the I only thought, thing worse. I thought Utah took care of their homeless problem. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I saw that in the news as well. <laughs> I, I saw like an NPR piece on it, or I heard an yeah. NPR piece. Um, certainly, I'm sure there's a small percentage, and I don't know if they're going off of large numbers or success mm-hmm. on this one program, but no, we still have a shit ton of people posing at least yeah. uh, as homeless. We I bet we have more, though. <laughs> I, bl- you know, I do. I believe that you <laughs> Baltimore has got to. I own guarantee. That shit. <laughs> we probably well, have more in our like in a square mile 
radius around us than you have in the entire state of Utah. Yeah. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever done anything like uh, feed the homeless for a holiday thing? Uh, no. Have you ever done reach out? <laughs> I'm uh, new. So no, as I, a- <laughs> I, I like give money to, I've given money. I don't, I won't say I do it on a regular basis, but I have given money to like homeless shelters before because I don't, I refuse to give people money on the street, you know, cause yeah. that's obviously not how you solve that problem. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've given money to, to like soup kitchen type places just because, yeah. because I think, you know, some people actually need help, but not the people that like Josh screams at on the street. <laughs> Tells them he hopes they die in the street. <laughs> they get really aggressive around here, man. And like you try to be nice and they start their spiel. And, and like the other day, we we're just walking. There's this one spot where they always hang out. And some guy was like, you know, started his, hey, man, just, and we were both just like, sorry, man, can't help you. And he's like, oh, you know, and he started like, oh, I bet you're sorry. And then Josh is like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and so eventually it escalated so that Josh was sort of screaming about this guy dying in the street. But he, you know, That's he started awesome. it. Yeah. Well, Josh can rest assured in the thought that he probably did. Probably will. Yeah. I'm like, he's probably doing it right now (laughs) (laughs) you know what add that to my previous things that make me happy it's belligerent homeless dying in the streets i I enjoy that thought (laughs) that makes me feel good inside (laughs) i'm glad i could add to your holiday spirit then okay so before we leave uh, i want to do i want to do one more quick story if i can so the only time that i ever was involved in helping out like a homeless shelter was Mm -hmm. when i was really really young and my stepdad thought it would be a really great experience as a, a young Mormon man to, uh, I mean, I was like eight years old to be fair, to go to a homeless sh- shelter and deliver a bunch of like old jackets and some food and stuff. And sure. so, it, and this sticks in my head so vividly because it terrified me as a young kid. He said, stay close to me and scream if somebody touches you. Oh God. Like what? The, they're just going to rape me? Like why are we giving them food if they're going to rape me? Like I immediately in my head thought, I'm going I'm going to be somebody's bitch like <laughs> in this home. And we're giving them things so that the, on the off chance that they don't fucking own my ass. What right. the fuck is happening like that? So that was my first experience with helping the homeless. So I have never done it since. <laughs> they are <laughs> all rapists it. in my mind of little boys. Yes. Nonetheless. Well, no wonder you hate Christmas. <laughs> it all that makes sense now. It's so clear. We could all trace it back to that one moment oh, with man. your father. Yeah. If only I was raped, then I wouldn't hate it so much. Oh, look at you. See? Silver linings. Yep. Right. So much stuff. All right. Well, Aaron, that was amazing. I really love... I love the, the holiday specials of Down the Crossroads the most. See, there's something about the holiday times that you like. It's all you, baby. It's all, all you. All right. Um, well, where can the good folks go to? I know you mentioned earlier. Yes. Let's do it one last time. Go to find a little bit more about you and Down to the Crossroads online. Yes, I'm on Facebook at, at Down to the Crossroads, and I'm on Twitter at Chelsea Girl 19 I highly recommend it. I say this every time, but I mean it. 
there's so much content that Erin shares in social media that she doesn't have the opportunity to share here. Uh, music, artwork, just random news articles or whatever it is. Uh, you really would be doing yourself a favor. And certainly, you know, we only play a small clip of these songs. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Go to that Spotify playlist that she's going to be posting in social media. And you can hear the whole song for free. And it's really, really good stuff. So if you're like me and uh, you just love the blues, if you're like Aaron and you just die for the blues, this <laughs> is your window into that world. Uh, experience it for yourself. It's really, really wonderful. Aaron, uh, it's always amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. It's my pleasure. Well, until you and I can chat again, hopefully in the new year. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by none other than David Ingram himself, the man behind Down Among the Dead Men, Lambert's Basement, Metal Breakfast Radio, I mean, what? <laughs> Just like seven, eight other projects in the works too, I'm sure. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you very much for having me on the show it's always a pleasure and you're one of the few people that i actually do interviews with live i, I only ever do email interviews because i just don't trust anyone but you oh no i trust impeccably oh uh, yeah well i appreciate it it's always a really great back and forth whenever you're on and I, i'm always impressed with your projects and stuff so it's nice to, to let the good listeners know about them as well um now on the off chance that those listening aren't familiar Let's give a quick rundown on your background, if we can. Um, you know, where you started musically, uh, how it was for you, what inspired you, and then we can uh, jump forward to this newest album that's been released. Okay. So, where did it begin for me? Good yeah. grief. I was, <laughs> I, was in, I was in one of those studio, really horrible bands that was going to go absolutely nowhere. And living in the city of Birmingham in England, I, uh, th th there was a, a lot of good musicians and a lot of very well-known bands. Mm -hmm. And I went out one evening to the, uh, the, the local pub that we went to called the Costamongers, and sitting in there were the members of Benediction. And they all looked very downhearted and dejected. And I asked them, <laughs> what's the matter? And they said, oh, we've just lost our singer. He's full-time in Napalm Death now. We need to find a new guy because we've got a tour coming up. And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and and they, they said, okay, come and do the audition. And I spent the, the next four days um, learning four or five of their songs. Went in and did it. And they, they, they had about six other people waiting outside. They just opened the door and said, now we've got him. Goodbye. <laughs> and, and, and told me that day, like, yeah, the, the job's yours. You, you've got it. Yeah. So uh, what influenced me? It was bands like... Celtic Frost, early Celtic Frost, uh, mm. pre-Cold Lake, the, the glam album that they did. But um, that sort of thing. And also Discharge, Black Sabbath, absolutely Black Sabbath. That was yeah. the first band I ever heard. Um, the, the, the album, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, was I was seven when I first oh, heard so that. Good. And I, I just could not stop listening to it when I was seven years old. And I knew that was where my, my music was going to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but... That also the Clash. I had, my first single I ever bought was uh, Tommy Gun by the Clash. Nice. Yeah. And then the second one was um, Father Abraham and the Smurfs, which 
kind of says a lot about my musical career. <laughs> yeah. And that's the first time I've ever admitted that. <laughs> and, you know, while I'm talking to you right now, yeah. uh, you, you may not know, but, uh, but I've just had a text message from Joe from Bolt Thrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's absolutely cool. I'll, nice. I'll let her know that I was doing an interview when she, when it, she sent it through. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm still close to those guys, and obviously Bolt Thrower, um, earlier this year, they, they lost the drummer. He died. Um, oh, he was that's only, terrible. Yeah, he was 37 years old. Uh, and it, uh, he was the one, the drummer that played on the album that I performed on with Bolt Thrower. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was devastating. It really was. But we're, we're, we're still very close. We're good friends. Hmm. Uh, That's so, correct. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Now, where, where where was I? Where where were we? Oh, I'm, no, I've had, you, I've had a couple good. of beers. Uh, so, uh, I, w- <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit about. Um, I mean, you're you're well known in in the the genre in the in the industry. Where where do you think most of your notoriety comes from? Is it is it um, current projects or past projects? I think at the moment it's um, past projects. But it's beginning to turn around with the new ones because it's it's not just one band that I've got at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two w- with releases out now, and there's a third one coming as well, uh, which I can talk about in a little while. And there's a fourth one, which I can't actually talk about <laughs> until there's an official announcement. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Th- there's a lot going on, and I think it, yeah, it's it's beginning to turn. And I think with this this fourth announcement, when that finally comes out, it's going to help with the other three bands as well. Hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about one of the new ones here, "Down Among the Dead Men." This project um, has you've been involved in this project for uh, two years now, has it been? Uh, since I believe 2013. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, two two and a half, almost three years, I think. So how did how did Down Among the Dead Men uh, come together initially? Well, the the mastermind uh, of of death metal, who, who's in almost every band ever, uh, Roger <laughs> Johansson, who's um, a, a Swedish guy, and mm. um, uh, he he wrote me and asked, "Would you like to be on this project album that I'm doing as and singing one song?" And I said, "Yes, of course, I'd, I'd very much like to." And I listened to it and sang on it, and I thought, well, "This is." actually rather good and he's a, and i went and looked through his back catalog and thought yeah i like this guy so i asked him would you be interested in doing a a, a full album with a, a new project and he said yes he jumped at the chance and we uh that, that's how down among the dead men was born and oh. what we did was uh, <laughs> he wrote to uh, he emailed the one record label and said i'm doing a new project are you interested in signing us and it was a German label, um, Cyclone Empire Records. And they, they said, uh, we're not sure. And then he said, well, Dave Ingram's involved. And he hasn't done anything since he left Bolt Thrower, really. Actually, I had, but uh, he didn't know this at the time. And, um, and, and they immediately jumped on it and said, yes, we'll sign you. And they, they'd never even heard a note. That's amazing. So we, we, yeah, we got a, a record contract when, without them hearing a note. <laughs> they're German and they're very efficient, you know. <laughs> They are. I, that's. I mean, that's. It's a testament to your reputation, but your reputation is built on action, and I think that's just 
amazing that no notes heard, no, no, not, not one vocal stretch. <laughs> it's just, oh, he's involved. Let's do it. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. How was, yeah. how was the first self-titled uh, album received uh, by those uh, in the community? The death metal community. Yeah, we, we had a, a lot of positive responses from it. And not to sort of force the issue, mm. but the responses for the second album, the second full length, uh, Exterminate, Annihilate, Destroy, uh, have been even better. Oh, that's great. They've been even more positive. I think the worst review I've read has, has given a seven and a half out of ten. <laughs> and that is it. That, that's, yeah, exactly. Quote, unquote, worst. You know, unbelievable. That's great. So, I mean, after having had such success with the first album, I'm sure with everyone uh, involved, did you did you go and and tour and uh, really stretch that out, or did you immediately hit the um, hit the books and start working out the second album? I, I love that tour. <laughs> so, to, to me, that's so funny because. Uh, in, in the band, there are, there's myself, there's Roger, uh, there's a guy called Dennis. Uh, now, we don't actually have a full-time bass player in the band, so mm. Roger and Dennis split the duties on there. And the drummer, Eric, he, he won't even commit to being in a band. He won't even have his photograph on the album. Yeah. Uh, he just wants to do what he does and just, you know, get, get paid in, mm. in CDs. That's it. And the thing is, we've done two albums and a seven-inch EP. I've also done another album with Roger. I've never met them. Oh, man. It's all done across the internet. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And th this is something that I, I find so weird, how bands, they set up these Kickstarter or GoFundMe campaigns mm. so that they can make an album. The the last two, the, the the two down among the Dead Men albums and the the third album I did, Echelon, which we can get to in a little while, uh, it cost, I think, in total, about $100. And that's just for paying for the artwork. Mm. Because Rugger himself and I have the, the, the setup. I'm using it right now to record here. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we don't need fancy studios. And, it, and if you listen to the album, it sounds good. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't need these these big campaigns to get money. I, I I never understand why bands have to do that. Huh. Well, I mean, it might be an experience. You know, they they're expecting to to have this sort of rock and roll lifestyle dream of you know going to a professional studio uh, rather than a completely capable personal studio. Yeah, uh, I I can get that, but it, it's never interested me the whole. Um, fame and getting out of a limo and uh, <laughs> rubbish. Uh, now you did I'll, tour with Boltrow, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we it was uh, we had some really a dodgy vehicles, but yeah, but yeah, it was it was fun. We we toured uh, a lot, and also with Benediction. That's why I'm living in Copenhagen. Yeah, uh, we were touring with Benediction in 1995, and at the gig I saw this very attractive, beautiful, gorgeous woman. And then I met my wife. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. So that experience from from going on tour and playing live, when did it turn, do you think, to purely online uh, construction of these uh, these amazing albums? 
Oh, it's it's for me for my own timeline. I would say, yeah, it, that would have begun back in two thousand and uh, two thousand and eight, and I was doing a lot of guest spots for for bands, and uh, then I began to want to do more, but Metal Breakfast Radio took over, and we were doing an hour show every week, and then it became an hour and a half, and now it's almost up to two hours. Uh, so it, the, the, the whole online musical uh, deal was, yeah, it, it's, it's taken off more within the last uh, three years, I would say, for me. Wow. So um, I, what I want to do is play the track Warriors of the Deep for the audience from the new album of Down Among the Dead Men, Exterminate, Annihilate, and Destroy um, in just a minute. Uh, before we get to that... Uh, when you created this latest album, <clears throat> concepting it, uh, how did that go? What does the title mean? What was your inspiration for this album? Two words, Doctor Who. <laughs> I could have guessed. <laughs> yeah, uh, every, every song, even the band name, even the first album, it's all related indirectly to, to mm-hmm. Doctor Who. I am such a, a huge fan. I'm, <laughs> it's not a secret that I'm a fan of the show. Right. Um, but it was, um, and I'd, I've never actually put, in, in previous bands, in Bolt Thrower or in Benediction or anything else that I've done, I've never done any sort of reference to Doctor Who. I've never wanted to. And I, I wanted a, a project that I would begin, that it would be me in control, and Down Among the Dead Men was it. So I, uh, this album, yes, it's uh, very much classic Doctor Who, and also modern as well, uh, well, well, let me uh, let's put a pin in that because I want to ask you a couple questions about that. Um, let's hear the track "Where's the Deep," and on the other side, we'll come back with David Ingram and talk a little bit about Doctor Who and Down Among the Dead Men. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, so that was Warriors of the Deep. Holy shit. This stuff is really great. I'm, I'm having a hard time in my head from what I know about Doctor Who, a comedic sci-fi adventure series, and yes. rationalizing it with, with uh, death metal, which traditionally people see as dark and mysterious and evil and, you know? I mean, so how, how does that... Is there any conflict in your head at all with that? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. To me, it goes hand in hand uh, because it's two things that I love. Yeah. So I, I, I don't see any uh, uh, clash in um, the, the, the feel to the songs or they, they can still be dark. I mean, if you, any Doctor Who fan will know that the, the series, the stories can be so dark and desperate and emotional as, as well as being um, upbeat. Mm-hmm. On, on a, another note, and and funny, and as you say, comedic. There is, there is definitely every, every sort of every emotion is touched on within the show. Yeah. I find, and I love that. I really do. It's fantastic. Um, so this, you know, we talked about how you used to perform live and made this transition to only uh, compiling these albums via the internet. Um, do you prefer it that way? Uh, do you feel like you can get more done faster, or or do you prefer the studio collective, like everyone in the same studio at the same time approach? I think no, you you hit the nail right on the head there, sir. You really have because yes, it can be done a lot faster. Um, for example. Roger and I, we were uh, talking backwards and forwards. I was recording the uh, vocals for the Exterminate, Annihilate, Destroy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. from now on I should say EAD, just, okay. to, just to save time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, we, we were doing the EAD album, and it was finished except for one song, uh, which was a cover version of an Anvil song, Forged in Fire. Slightly different, or in fact, actually, no, completely bloody different to what <laughs> we were doing with the, the rest of the album. Right. So we'd done that, and Roger said, I'm, I'm quite interested in this style. I've got some songs that I've not used that are somewhat similar. How would you feel about doing another project? And that was uh, the band. It became Echelon. And the album is called, uh, let me just see, hang on, it's a long title, Indulgence <laughs> Over Abstinence Behind the Obsidian Veil. Wow. That's the, that's the album title. Uh, the lyrics are satanic in essence mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm very Roger proud of these a satanist as well no no not at all not at all okay that's all I, I asked him about it I, I uh, expressed my uh, desire for the lyrics and he said he doesn't mind he's atheist so which is a good start nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not bad uh, but, but uh, the, 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 the that album actually was, was written and recorded and fully done and sent to the other label that it's out on uh, within two weeks. Whoa! Yeah. And right now I'm actually um, writing music for a third project called Ursina. That's uh, U-R-S-I-N-N-E. It's a a very old um, Scandinavian word for um, uh, an active uh, yet very angry mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. It's an old Viking word. I wanted something because I live in Scandinavia, and uh, you know, Denmark has adopted me. So I, <laughs> I wanted to sort of uh, have it a little Scandinavian. And the chap that I'm, I'm working with, he's from Sweden, although he lives in England at the moment. Right. 
Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so that, there's, that, that's another project that's uh, on the go. And we're doing a couple of cover versions on there as well. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to do those. Well, do you mind if I ask, because you're involved in so many different projects at once. Is there ever, do you ever have a difficulty making each separately, like f- making them feel different or, or do they all sort of have the same tone? I think the vocal sound, vocal wise, there's the similarity there because it's mm. me. Yeah. But um, musically, they are different. Uh, let's see, down, uh, down Among the Dead Men is a D-beat punk, like Discharge. Uh, the Echelon, that's more of a slower death metal. A lot of people have been comparing it to the Benediction album that I did, Transcend the Rubicon, which I'm quite proud of. Oh, wow. And the band Ursina, this this other new project I'm doing, it's very Swedish. Uh, I'm actually promoting it as being more Swedish than Sweden. <laughs> Uh, a double dose of Sweden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get get your meatballs here. <laughs> nice. Um, well, that's good. I, I I know just me personally. I find it challenging to really create strong differentiation between different projects that I'm involved in, and so it's nice that uh, going in that you know you you already have that taken care of, and you know it's it's one thing to be involved in a bunch of different projects and have them sort of be the David Ingram show, you know, like all of these, but to have them stand on their own, I think is the goal in the end for everyone. And and seeing that you're doing that is just fantastic. Um, Well, David, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I really appreciate it. Your music is uh, amazing. I mean, just you're you're a massive talent. Can, uh, Can you let the good folks listening know where they can find all of those three, uh, projects that you've been working on and other things that you're involved in well let me see uh, facebook if you go to uh, facebook and search on down among the dead men you'll find that there there's a lot of links to sound what's it called soundcloud now yeah, i can't SoundCloud, remember I think. soundcloud okay yeah um let's see i'm i'm an old dinosaur i've just <laughs> I, I use vinyl. Come on. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> in my day, there was no inner tubes. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, um, but uh, also with the band Echelon, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook as well. Again, more links to that sound cloudy place. And um, the, the new band, uh, Sinner, uh, not out yet, but there will be stuff there eventually. Uh, oh, and also don't forget uh, metalbreakfastradio.com. Hell yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the newest album, and I'm enjoying the current ones. Uh, Until we can chat again, my friend. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Thank you, sir. Hi, people. That's going to do it for yet another show. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit us in social media, Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, MySpace, and you'll get updated on weekly topics, but also contests or other Satanist projects that we think are worthwhile. We'll share them there as well. 
You can download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found on 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you find us, however you get us, however you tune in. If you can, give us a rating or comment. We appreciate it, but more importantly, it helps us rise to the top and spread the word. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com, read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. You're only doing yourself a solid by doing so. Remember, the only way we're going to continue this is if you share it. Help spread the word, people. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan!